1: Monday on Abounding Grace, we began a little mini-series entitled, Why Are You Here? Today, we continue with that series. Again, we're in Luke 6, verses 12 through 16. Join us for some insight into your existence. the Ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. This is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. We welcome you to the broadcast and invite you to spend time with us as we consider the all-important question why are we here? Why do we exist? What is our purpose in life? Why were we created? These are questions that many of us have pondered throughout our lives, but God provides answers in His grace and mercy. Join us, Luke chapter 6, for this edition of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner.
2: Again this week I ask, why are we here? Why are we alive? That is a question that everyone asks themselves at one time or another, especially when they're going through trying times. But it is a question that, if not answered correctly, can lead to greater trials, heartache, intense anger, and even death. So why are we here? Well, as we saw last week, our two passages tell us exactly why we are here. We are here on this earth, created by God, to carry out a specific mission on his behalf. And if we do not keep that mission before our eyes, we will not be able to keep our heads above the waves and the storms of life, and we shall drown. Whatever role you play in life, at any particular stage of your life, as a wife and mother, husband and father, Child, student, teacher, doctor, lawyer, businessman, carpenter, whatever it may be, every aspect of your life in some way must be seen as an opportunity to carry out the reason we are alive and to perform the mission that God has assigned us. We found last week from our text that we have been given a twofold mission. We saw in both Luke and Mark that just like the apostles, Christ first called us to be with him before he called us to do any other action or any other duty. And then Mark tells us that we are also to go out and preach the gospel with demon-conquering authority to be with Christ, and to proclaim the gospel. Every second of your life. This is to be the life-consuming drive, goal, motive, and priority of your life. This is why you are alive today. Now, there are three aspects to our saving faith in Christ that he gives us the moment that we are saved— And that we are to improve on the rest of our life. They are a resting of our lives and future upon the redemptive work of Christ. A submission of our lives to his law word. And third, which is much less emphasized than the other two, yet essential to our saving faith, is an adoring attachment to the person of Christ. We have been called to be with Christ, to have a personal, daily relationship with Him, and that is to want to be with Him, communing and communicating with Him more than anything else in our life. And we must strive daily to never allow sin, the only thing that can disrupt our relationship with Him, to disturb the sweet fellowship we have with the living Christ. Last week, I ended my sermon by saying, you were born and reborn to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to earth and was subjected to cruel punishment at the hands of his creatures just so he could draw us to himself, cleansed from the filth of our sin that would have separated us from him eternally if he had not lived, died, and rose again from the dead. To redeem us from our slavery to sin. So draw close to him, beloved, in prayer, in worship, and in diligent study of his word. Do not allow yourself to be so engaged in the things of this fallen world that you neglect so important a duty. For if you do, beloved, you will be so overwhelmed when trials and sorrows come along. And they will come. In this corrupt world, that you will be neutralized by fear and anger and despair and be of no effect in transforming lives and cultures for the kingdom of God. Now, there is a second aspect to our mission from God, and Mark particularly brings this out. So notice in Mark 3.14, Mark 3.14. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach and have the power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. Now, not everyone has been called to be a preacher. Not everyone has been called of God to be a herald and to stand behind a pulpit and preach. Not everyone has been called of God to even teach Bible studies, but everyone who was a member of the church, was built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus, being the chief cornerstone, has been given the responsibility to proclaim the word of God, of bearing witness, of giving testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to evangelize. Most particularly here, the disciples are called to preach. Not just in some kind of general sense, but they are called to be with Christ and to preach the gospel, taking it to the far corners of the world, and in so doing, becoming Christ's instruments of the good news to this world. And this is the fulfillment of prophecy. Turn to Isaiah 66. Beloved, this is a marvelous ending to a wonderful book. Isaiah 66, and I will read verses 18 through 24. Verse 18, for I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. And I will set aside among them, sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations, to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud that draw the bow, to Tubal and Javon, to the... Isles afar off that have not heard of my fame neither have seen my glory and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles and they shall bring all their brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all the nations upon horses and in chariots and in litters and upon mules and upon swift beasts to my holy mountain Jerusalem saith the Lord as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. And I will also take of them for priests and for Levites, saith the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass, that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord, and they shall go forth. And look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. Here you have a philosophy of history. Here you have a picture of history from Isaiah's time to the end of the world. And it is something that should shape the way we think and Live in this world. This prophecy was given hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, telling us that there would be survivors of God's judgment. Survivors because they lived godly lives and were not deserving of His judgment. Those survivors, God's people, will go throughout all the earth to people who have never heard the fame or the glory of God and will proclaim that glory among all nations. And from new moon to new moon, month to month, Sabbath to Sabbath, as they go forth, all mankind will one day come to bow before Almighty God. And those who refuse to bow before Him, these survivors shall see their corpses strewn all about. So when the Lord Jesus Christ called his apostles in the church to go into the world and preach and bear testimony to the gospel of Christ with divine authority, that's able to conquer and cast out demons, he was also telling us that he is calling us to be his instruments to fulfill this prophecy. As his church teaches and preaches the word of God, everything from the Old Testament prophecies began to happen. The kingdom of God begins to to be advanced. Demonic powers are overthrown. God intervenes into our lives and into this world, and sinners are saved. God's enemies are confused and destroyed, and all mankind from all nations of the world will come and bow down before him. That's the mission that God has commissioned His apostles, and in them, His church founded upon the apostles. And beloved, every single one of us has a part to play. If you are a member of the church, founded upon the apostles and prophets of Jesus Christ, the key cornerstone, let me ask you, is there anyone here who's a member of a church that is not a member of that church. No, if you are a member of that church, then what Christ says to the apostles, most particularly through the Great Commission, he speaks through them to us. Go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and make disciples of all the world's nation. And everyone has a part to play. It's not something I'm just supposed to do as a preacher. It's not something that just missionaries and evangelists are supposed to do. It is the reason, beloved, that you are alive. The reason that you are alive. If you spend all your time living for yourself, doing whatever you have to do to simply survive, and you don't see yourself as someone who was on a mission to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ in whatever opportunity God places upon you to bring people under the sound of the gospel, and your life falls apart, you will probably sit there and simply wonder why. I'm exerting all this energy and spending all of this time conscientiously doing everything I'm supposed to do to survive in this world. And my life is falling apart. Well, let me tell you, it's because you have failed to understand. Or you have lost sight of why you are alive. You are not spending your life in fellowship with Jesus. And you are not spending your life spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who are lost. Sometimes we are so concerned with ourselves that the rest of the world can just go to hell. If the world is going to be saved, someone else is just going to have to do it because I don't have the time or the energy. Is that any of you, beloved? Now, that may sound extreme, but that is the way millions upon millions of church members live today. And then they wonder... Why their lives are unraveling is because they have lost sight of who they are. A people on a mission who have the responsibility to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to spend their energy toward that end. But I want you to look at, for the rest of our time together today, uh, and something that will probably spill over into next week is specifically the subject of preaching. The apostles were not simply called to evangelize, but to preach, while most of us have been called simply to bear witness of Christ. Now there is one important aspect of evangelism that you can all do, even if you are timid or embarrassed, although there are some of you that have particular gifts and you are able on a one to one basis. In fact, not just able, but confident and capable of spending time going over the gospel and explaining the doctrines of the gospel to someone. But there are some people who are just not good at evangelism. And as a result of not having those gifts, some people, out of embarrassment and shame or incompetence, just don't evangelize. Some are afraid of misleading someone because they Simply don't speak well. Well, after years of studying Scripture, let me tell you what I believe is the most important thing that most of you as members of the apostolic church can do in bringing the nations of this world to Christ. Get people to church on Sunday. Get them under the sound of the preaching of the gospel. If you are too embarrassed for whatever reason to spend time going over the gospel with someone, or you don't feel competent enough, then the most important thing you can do is to commit to God that every week you are going to do your best to get someone to come to church who doesn't know Christ. Now, please understand what I'm saying. I am not saying that for most of you, that's the best that you can do. I'm saying for many of you, that is a wonderful and important thing that you can do. Quit worrying about whether you should go into someone's home or out on the street corner with some little formula and lead them to Christ. For many of you, forget it. Spend that time and energy and attention trying to get people under the preaching of the gospel. Do you know it? The end of the world, when we see everyone that has ever been saved, I would love to take a poll that day and find out what the circumstances were in which people were converted. In fact, I like to ask brothers and sisters when I meet them, how they were converted. Did did a friend lead you to Christ? Did you read a tract? Were you reading the Bible, possibly watching a television evangelist attending church? I mean... What was the situation? I tend to believe the conversations from the conversations that I have had, that if a poll was taken at the end of time and all the saved are standing there and the question is asked, what was the situation wherein you were converted? I bet the overwhelming majority will say in church during the preaching of the gospel. Do you know what is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, says Scripture? It's not a little Bible study that we do on the side. The preaching of the cross, the preaching of the cross is the power of God unto salvation. Now understand I'm not downplaying all other means of evangelism because I believe we should expend every effort we can to lead people to Christ. We have a lot of sermons on CDs here at RHC. So if you want to have people in your home to present the gospel to them and you don't feel like you can do it yourself, invite them over to hear an hour-long message on a CD. And there are good books, great tracts, or... And we have our various Bible studies and Christ-centered lectures on tape and CD. There are various ways to evangelize. I'm saying do all these things. But the primary instrument that God uses to save the lost and to build up Christians is the authoritative preaching of the Word of God by one who has been sent to preach. And beloved, that is the most sanctifying instrument in your life, the preached Word of God. Do you want the world to be converted? The most important thing you can do to convert the world is to bring people under the sound preaching of the gospel of Christ. After all, Christ called these men, these 12 apostles, as the foundation of the church, not only to be with Him, but He called them to preach. Now, the word preach, which is a very specific word in our text, is caruso. It denotes an authoritative proclamation of the word of God by one sent by Christ himself to proclaim that word. And I believe one of the most important things the church needs here in the the first part of the 21st century is to recapture and recover a biblical view of preaching. As long as the church of Jesus Christ understood the centrality of the preaching of the gospel, the church of Jesus Christ was a great force in this world and accomplished great works for God. In the early centuries of the church, it spread rapidly and was extremely influential because of the Christ-centered preaching. In every century, in those areas where faithful preaching of the gospel was proclaimed and where the church of Jesus Christ refused to yield to popery it influenced all areas of life. And then there was the tremendous revival of preaching that began with the Reformation and went on for centuries, out of which came the United States of America and the best of Western culture. And there has never been a missionary enterprise like that, which grew out of the Protestant Reformation. There has never been cultures and nations prosper and advance in Christ's likeness like those that have been touched by the Protestant Reformation. Now, what is it that caused this great revival to take place and reshape the world? It was a proper understanding of the place, the role, and the power of the authoritative preaching of the Word of God by one sent by Jesus Christ to preach. If you want to see the importance of preaching, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, we've looked at this before, but I think this is an important passage for us to review. This is a great text on the resurrection And it begins with an outstanding statement on preaching. Now, I'm only going to read the first four verses, uh, but the sentence actually proceeds through succeeding verses, which don't have anything to do with what I'm going to say. So we'll read the first four verses. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto ye the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory or hold fast what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain for I delivered unto ye first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures now I want you to notice the thrust of these four verses salvation is by the preached gospel Salvation is not just by the gospel. Salvation is by the preached gospel. Notice, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached, which you received by faith, "...in which you stand, by which," that is, preach gospel, "...you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. I delivered to you the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scripture." You see, the centrality of the preaching of the gospel is what this particular passage is emphasizing. The preaching of the gospel makes known that the gospel, like the opening of a perfume bottle, fills the room with its fragrance. Uh, Man, I'm sure from time to time that you have bought your wife a nice bottle of perfume. And I'm sure you don't buy it for her so that she can just leave it setting on the dresser unopened. The perfume is only appreciated when the top is open and she applies it to herself. The Bible is a wonderful bottle of perfume. God gave us this bottle of perfume, not just to put on our shelves for people to see it and say, what a wonderful bottle of perfume. You could have 10 or 20 of these Bottles of perfume, Bibles in your house. None of these bottles of perfume will do you or anyone else any good until, first of all, in preaching, the perfume bottle is opened and you will start to inhale its contents.